shall we go into the actual podcast? Yes, let's do that. Right. Right, here we go. So let's, let's talk Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur, indeed. Um, uh, boom, right, we're back. Um, so, Bulbasaur, um, do you have any personal memories of Bulbasaur as a Pokemon? Uh, I mean, definitely. I have played... I have played with a lot of Bulbasaur in my time. Um, and... You know, because I had obviously Pokemon Red and Blue. And with Red and Blue, I didn't just, like, pick a starter and then play it through once. Like, I played those games a lot. Um... And I did the same with Fire Red and Leaf Green when they came out, mm -hmm. where I just replayed them and replayed them and replayed them um, at least once for each starter. So I have a lot of fond memories of Bulbasaur that all kind of like blur into one with all of the other Pokemon I had in those games. I do remember it is true that a Bulbasaur is the easier one to start with because obviously it has an advantage over Brock's gym and it has an advantage over Misty's gym. And then it doesn't have a disadvantage uh, at Lieutenant Surge's gym. Um, so in that respect, the first three gyms, um, Bulbasaur is the one you want on your team. Mm -hmm. And also getting Leech Seed as quite an absorb at quite an early level. I feel like having those um, damage dealing, but also... Um, HP restoring moves is a massive boon mm. and it was it was those moves that first made me think about strategy at all mm. because I was 100% a like the kind of kid who just taught my pokemon the highest damage dealing moves um yeah point in the chat most pokemon are water type there are more water type pokemon than any other type which means having a grass type is uh from an early point is always an advantage so yeah i've played a lot with bulbasaur i do remember like by the end of by the time it's fully evolved being and i feel like this is something that i probably felt with all of the starter final evolutions being a little bit disappointed that it wasn't as dope in the game as it was in the anime but we can talk about that when we get to the venus a bit yeah but no i i i do like do like a bulbasaur yeah i mean bulbasaur is potentially my favorite um Cool. So uh, I'm just going to very quickly get the opening screen back up just to show people, uh, you know, the waiting one. Nothing's gone wrong. Uh, but <laughs> in the image that we picked, uh, so, um, so yes, yeah, so you've got like a gloom there. and uh, Sorry, I've got a gloom there and you've got a crowbat there. And like crowbat's one of your favourites. But, um, uh, and gloom is like one of my favourites. But, um, I was originally thinking about picking a Bulbasaur or a um, or a Venusaur for that uh, image, but I decided ultimately against it because I felt like because Bulbasaur is like so iconic, being one of the starters, 
I felt like if it was you with a crowbat versus me with a Bulbasaur, it potentially told a different story than I wanted to tell with that image. Um, you know, uh, I didn't want for people to look at it and then be like, oh, he's got a Bulbasaur, therefore that's that's like the protagonist of this podcast. Um, but like, I really, like, I, I'm like really connected to Bulbasaur to the point where yeah. that could have been the image for the podcast. Um, and part of the reason why, and I'll probably go into this with the Venus with the with the Venus orbit, is I've got a full um I've got a full um I've got a full uh base set, fossil set and jungle set of cards. And my favourite one yes yeah, um so oh that's something that we're gonna do as well in the Patreon. Uh, is if you become a Patreon, um, we're going to have uh, ideas for uh, additional content that you can potentially uh, vote on, such as we've discussed about doing um, uh, myself versus Kirsty, um, like video game streams and us going into more obscure Pokemon games and the Pokemon trading card game, which again, if any of those sound interesting to you, uh, feel free to uh, join the Patreon. And we're going to be looking at that. Um, and if we do do a trading card um, spin-off, as it were, as um, like exclusive content, um, I would be able to talk about that at length. But, bring myself back, Venusaur was my favourite one. And I was well known for having a Venusaur card, which I think is like quite a rare one. And I can't remember many other people from when I was that age having a Venusaur card. Um, to the point where when I was a kid, like I would be offered trades for that Venusaur quite a lot. Uh, and because I was known for not trading it because it was my favorite, I would increasingly get better and better trades, uh, for it until I eventually relented and then got seller's remorse, if that is a thing, and then eventually traded for it back. Oh, bless you. So, yeah. I hope they didn't rip you off when you had to get it back. They weren't like, give me something even better for it. Nah, it weren't. Uh, it weren't uh, Sylvester Stallone in Rocky selling his dog type of story. Um, so yeah. Um, so that's, that's cool. I don't think I have many, uh, many connections to the trading card game in the same way I do to the video game. I had a bunch of cards and I used them, but like I never properly learned how to play. So I, I'm looking forward throughout this show to um, like you schooling me on the trading card game consistently. I'm looking forward to learning the things that passed me by. Mm. <laughs> I, I personally think that the, the trading card game is amazing. It's like it's so well done uh, and I think that they've translated it into a card game. I mean, I like board games anyway, um, mm. but uh, they've like translated it into a board game stroke card game like so well that, um, I, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, my, my trading card collection is worth nothing because I like, <laughs> I, like played the game back in the day. Um, whereas what I should have done was uh, get, get them graded. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, and then maybe uh, Logan Paul could have could have my Venusaur <laughs> around his neck as he entered into WrestleMania. But oh. one can dream. I feel like your Venusaur can do better than Logan Paul. 
it, it definitely can. Uh, it can definitely do better. Than, <laughs> I mean, you only have to ask that shiny Gyarados uh, card that I got for it. Um, Oof, nice. Yeah, because yeah, that's that's how the trading card game does shinies. But um, the next thing that we had on on the um, on the thing that we were going to have a look at is the Pokedex entries for Bulbasaur. Yes. Um, so uh, I'm going to read you out some Pokedex entries. Uh, see what see what you make of them. Um, so okay. So Bulbasaur has a say. A strange seed was planted on its back at birth. The plant sprouts and grows this with this Pokemon, which to me says that there are some Bulbasaur's that don't have bulbs. Mmm. Because, like, you see, I do love the fan art of Bulbasaur, where they have, like, different types of flowers and different... There's, like, you know, people will do, like, a pumpkin one for Halloween and stuff. Mm. I really like those. I think they're really cute. I do like... I do think that, like, a regional variant of Bulbasaur with different types of plants on it would be a really great addition to the game. And I don't think they would because they usually don't mess with starters with the exception of giving all of the final evolutions for Pokemon Legends Arceus a different type. Mm -hmm. However, I, th I think that would be a really cool thing to do because I think it fits with, like, the Pokemon lore because... Um, evolution as it exists in the real world as in animals having the same common ancestors is canon in pokemon as well as the the version of pokemon evolution um that absolutely does not exist in the real world so i think it would be really cool because obviously you've got you know diglett and wiglet and they're like saying in the Pokedex entries, they're not related, they might be distantly related for another reason, but they are not the same species of Pokemon. They don't evolve into each other the same way that Pokemon evolve into its next stage evolution. And I feel like having like a regional variant of Bulbasaur using that logic with the different types of flowers would just be dead cute. Mm. Um, I feel like that's the kind of thing that would suit like maybe a different style of game not like turn-based battle system but something where like the different types of flowers are more relevant like if they made the berry collecting element of pokemon um a more developed thing like they sort of did in kind of generation three um i could i could see you know the different types of bulbasaur being relevant in there or something um and I, I just enjoy it because I feel like it also would kind of tie into the show because one of the things that kind of frustrated me my entire life is that obviously a lot more exciting things happened in the show than happened in the games because, and it's, you know, as an adult, I understand, like, you have to come up with a new story for each episode of the show, but if that much detail went into creating the games, the games would take forever to make um they're already rushed as they are looking at the last couple of generations and it would just be impossible but i really liked the kind of the bulbasaur gathering in the show i think bulbasaur's whole like, like narrative arc is really cute in the show um because obviously 
Bulbasaur was first seen with that breeder and Bulbasaur wanted to go with Ash and the gang, but then but wanted to battle Ash first. Wanted to prove that Ash was good enough to train it, which I liked. I thought that was that showed a lot of character for, you know, a creature that can say one word. Um and I felt like that was a really strong start to introduce Ash's Bulbasaur in particular. And then the episode where they meet the other Bulbasaur felt almost mythological, the way they're all being drawn to the same place at the same time. And I really would have liked seeing something like that in the games. Yeah. Because I feel like that would have been like a cool climactic moment that was not necessarily based on battling. Mm. Because that's what I liked about the show, I think, that there were a lot of really exciting things that weren't just about battling that there was a bit of in the games but not loads especially in the early generation yeah um and i think that'd be a really cool thing to maybe factor into maybe a remake maybe a new game entirely with just like a little field of bulbasaur yeah would be very cute they have gotten much better at, at integrating those kind of elements but um i i think for me uh Feel like from what you were just saying it's you know i think that there's a feeling that they never went far enough you know in terms of mm. incorporating that you know it's it feels odd that they've never gone i mean i don't know feel free to say you are wrong in the chat but um <laughs> like take some of the the anime writers and the game writers and and you know mesh them together and take some of the ideas and kind of cross pollinate it a little bit more um you know so you could have you could have um maybe that that um the bulbasaur garden um yeah that you actually do and you know if you have a bulbasaur stroke ivysaur stroke venusaur on your on your uh party you can like unlock that thing or if you had a charmander on your party you you unlock the um you know the trait you know you've find out that uh like it was a previous trainers like maybe like three or four like um three or four like cities in and then you've got like battle them. um but yeah they i feel like they definitely could have gone further with that type of thing um, yeah and i think they have more scope to do that now that um you know game technology has advanced a long way i'm i'm not surprised they didn't do it with obviously the first generation of games mm-hmm. I think probably the first remake they could have. I think with the Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu remakes, they probably could have, but I think they were more focused on the catching and the overworld sprites. Those were the two kind of gimmicks of that yeah. that generation, which is fine. Um, but I think I've been saying I would like Pokemon to do more in the games with its story. Um outside of the battling for a long time and i don't know why i keep saying it because i feel like they they're just not going to (laughs) i mean they they did i feel like they did do elements of it in sword and shield i mean we've chatted about it before um yeah you know like when like the one that pops to my mind is the the grass gym um Mm. um where you've got a round up woolu in the stadium before you can have the battle so they they have the capacity to do it but they 
for some reason do not. I think this is one of those things where they... I think they know that people want it. There's like Sun and Moon, there was the trial before every gym battle that you had to do. Um, and I think that was really well received. And then um, in the most recent generation of Scarlet and Violet, there's kind of a thing you have to do, but like they're not very well fleshed out. And I think this is my issue with Scarlet and Violet. They have, you can tell that they've got all of the right ideas. They just don't have enough time or resources or, or I don't know what it is that's holding them back, but they're not giving themselves enough of something in order to flesh it out to its full potential. And I think uh, I really enjoyed Scarlet and Violet because I kind of filled in the gaps myself a little bit with what I wanted it to be. But there is part of me that's like, I can see what this game should have been. And I think they did the similar thing, like where you have to go and play hide and seek with the Sun Flora before you do one of the gyms, one of the early gyms. And it's like, oh, cool. So there's going to be more of this stuff. And then they're just, it, it kind of peters out quite quickly, unfortunately. Well, um, well, we've got uh, we've got some more some more Bulba, Bulbasaur Pokedex facts for you. Um, yeah, we went off on some tangents there, but that's okay because they were mostly Bulbasaur related. Let's have some more uh, Pokedex entries. Uh, so it can go for days without eating. In fact, I'm just going to get this up on the screen uh, instead of having people having to look at my face. Um, um, so. Um, So, a strange seed was planted on its back at birth. In fact, we just did that one. We can't, we can't afford to go on another 10-minute tangent, right? Uh, <laughs> um, it can go for days without eating a single morsel. Uh, in the bulb on its back, it stores energy, which implies it's somewhat like a camel. Yeah, it's like a camel that has chlorophyll, in a way. Yeah. Like, I, I assume it's sort of fed on sunlight. I assume a lot of... I know you see them eating actual food in the show, but I assume that grass Pokemon can live off sunlight, even if it's not their only source of nutrition. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's one other thing as well. Again, um, like I'm saying it now. Um, like, all my brain... Like, weirdly, all my mind is going, don't tell Kirsty this. You've already told Kirsty this, but I haven't told the wider <laughs> world this. Um, I often pick the grass starter. Um, and that's another reason why, like, Bulbasaur is, like, one of my boys. But um, it's because um, I feel like if you, like, there's so many water, um, so many water types, as was mentioned in the chat before. Yeah. But also, um, I feel like if you get a fire starter it almost feels like you're very likely to create like an ash ketchum type team where you'll get yeah like, you'll get a fire you'll get a water you'll get a flying you'll probably get a like an electric um and as a result um it, i feel like it can make a lot of the run-throughs feel a bit samey mm. but i feel like with um if you pick the grass starter because fires are much rarer i think that that automatically can make your team a little bit more varied yeah i definitely get that um 
I think for me, I think that the um, grass starter is a good shout because, as it was pointed out earlier, the um, there are the, the most common type of Pokemon is water, um, and it's also got a fair few good type advantages. I think the downside is that grass is weak to flying and there are lots of flying types in the early game. And I think the thing that frequently leans me towards fire huh? is possibly left over from the first generation where if you didn't pick Charmander, the next fire type you could get wasn't until you were on Cinnabar Island, pretty much. There are not a lot of fire types around compared to grass and water. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think I think grass is a strong starter and I think you make a good point. Um, and I think, again, your point also goes back to the early generation where the sort of spread of different types was not hugely even. Um, well, um, I think um, they they did like fix that as time went by. Um, but it's not something that I particularly... Like, it's never something that particularly, like, ever comes to mind for me because I think it's partly that like by the time that you get into the later game um, for the first generation I did not um, because I played it when I was like eight I I like wasn't like I already had like a full team at that point so I didn't particularly notice that kind of uh, ghost and psychic were like uh, broken uh, mechanically because mm. basically I don't know if you did this I basically had a Pidgeot that was like level 100 and everything else is about level 4. Yeah, yeah, I was exactly the same. I had... So, I'm weirdly cautious, or I was as a child, and in the first few like battles, my starter would handle it, and then I would assume that my starter was the only one that could do anything because the Pokemon I caught were the same level as the Pokemon I was battling, and I didn't want to send them out, um, even if they had a type advantage. So I would just use my starter for everything, and then all of the... Um, all of the other Pokemon were just kind of there to throw out while I healed or revived my starter. And because you didn't have the experience share until later on, until right at the end of the game, um, if at all, I just let I just let everything else faint. I would keep <laughs> it with me till it evolved, and then it would go in the PC. Um, and what I would do is I'd catch a bunch of the highest level Pokemon I could find in Victory Road, um, and then hope that they could withstand enough of the Elite Four's attacks for me to revive my starter um, and then revive them all after I defeated one uh, and just do the same. And those games were so broken that I could do that. I never had to bother to strategize. When the games got a bit better in terms of how they actually functioned, um, I didn't know what to do. Um, and it was usually the time I would start using um a different pokemon on my team it'd be oh no i'm in a corner this is the only thing left and then it would surprise me um by actually not sucking um 
And then I'd be like, oh, okay, maybe I will keep this on my team then. Maybe I will uh, look seek this out next time. Um, and it, it was a very sort of long and roundabout way of, of figuring out that you're supposed to strategize um, rather than just fire blast or hyper beam your way through the entire game. Mm. <laughs> um, um, well, I, yeah. I had a similar thing. Like I say, I... I distinctly remember having like a very highly over-leveled Pidgeot and then um, I was in um, I was in Cinnabar Island's um, the, the mansion and I think I even got lost in there but anyway for some reason I was like stuck and um, oh that was it um, I think it was Seafoam Islands and I could not work out how to you know how to like get the boulders to move and my Pidgeot run out of PP. So I had mm -hmm. to like slowly, I had to like slow, and I didn't have any escape ropes because I was like, what's the point of them? Um, so I had to have about 100 battles where I slowly got my Pidgeot to uh, struggle its way to dying so I could finally get out of Seafoam Islands. Um, but yes. I I could not uh, I could not say that I was clever enough at the game to be able to uh, notice how broken it was. In fact, again, I know I've told you this story before. Um, right, this is how stupid of a kid I was. Right, again, remember this kid went on to do a master's degree. So, so <laughs> you know that that says more about the level of master's degrees than it does about my intelligence. <laughs> I actually restarted Pokemon twice. Um, Firstly, because, uh, right, and this one's the more embarrassing one, I couldn't figure out how to get out of Pallet Town. Amazing. Right. Because there's, I mean, it's right there on the screen. There's one exit that I have duplicated because it does not fit in a white <laughs> screen. It's really easy to see. Well, um, I, I'm not, like, I can't remember, I can't remember exactly what it was, but... I'm pretty sure that I took the the like the instruction of don't go in the long grass very literally. Very seriously. So yeah. As a result, I was like, I'm stuck, and and I like didn't bother going on Pokemon again for like maybe three four months because I was like, what's the point of this game where you just got to walk around the town and you're not allowed to go in the grass? I mean, I kind of I had the opposite um, approach to Pokemon where I thought so. You know how the bottom of Pallet Town connects to Cinnabar via the ocean, but you you can't just surf from Pallet to Cinnabar. You have to go all the way round, and you only get surf in Fuchsia or somewhere similar, and then you go through the Sea Five Islands to Cinnabar and then up north to Pallet. Um, I was convinced that if I could get a Pokemon with surf when the SSN left, I could follow it, and there would be like a whole hidden bit of game that no one had ever played apart from me. Because um, it didn't occur to me that, like, why would anyone bother to develop that? But everyone was talking about, you know, Mew being hidden under a truck and stuff and there being secret bits of the game to the extent that I thought there was lots to be uncovered when there very much was not. And I remember, like, spending a long time getting a Pokemon with Surf, trading it, to a to the game where i wanted to attempt to do it and then having like not getting any further than 
the SSN while I got another game way past that point, traded over a Pokemon with Surf, and then it didn't occur to me until I was there trying to do it that you can't use Surf outside of battle without enough gym badges, which you don't have by the time the SSN leaves. Mm. And I, I, I spent all that time convinced I could follow the SSN and see like a whole new bit of the game. I thought I could follow it to Johto. Yeah. And play Pokemon Gold on my Pokemon Red cartridge. Yeah, I mean, and I, I was wrong. I don't know why they've not stuck that in the in the remakes because if you look at the map, there is like an an element where the SSN obviously like goes off, but we're locked off. Yeah. Of. But that again, I know I've told you this story before, but again, I've not told the internet this story. Right. The other time that I uh, restarted Pokemon was because I came out of the SSN, and the SSN. Um, like sails away and I was like oh no I've basically got a game over there like what else can I possibly do I had to go on the SSM <laughs> so, I re- <laughs> so I restarted the game again and I was like right this time I won't let the SSN leave and then I spent hours on the SSM being like what do I do what do I do how do I stop this ship from going away um, <laughs> like I say that, that child went on to get a master's degree so um um, I sometimes uh, surprise myself with my own stupidity. So, we've we've got some more uh, Bulbasaur facts, which is mm-hmm. um, um, according to Stadium, the bulb-like pouch on its back grows larger as it ages. The pouch is filled with numerous seeds, which to me sounds like it gets a dad bod. Yeah, which I think that makes sense because in the first generation they're all they're all little chunky boys, weren't they? Mm. I mean, that, um, I don't know if you're the same, but like I feel like the first generation, a lot of the first generation, um, you could have made a bit of an argument not not for all of them that they like Bulbasaur almost feels like if they naturally aged they would end up becoming Venusaur. Because I mean, there was that episode of the show with an old Trico where it was like evolution does not equal age you can evolve at the right level but like you don't need to evolve to get old um but yeah I think that makes sense because I think evolution the way it works in Pokemon is like in the games it's about leveling up and whatever other um things you need to do to trigger the evolution but in the game it's like three magnemite got too close together mm-hmm. and it does feel like it's a natural progression for a bulbasaur for its bulb to grow to start to flower and then to become the big massive palm tree that um it is on venusaur and yeah no i think i think you're absolutely right there i think I reckon a Bulbasaur would stay a Bulbasaur if, like, it didn't get enough sunlight, that sort of thing, and its bulb didn't get to sprout properly. Yeah. Well, I've actually got two head cannons for, for Pokemon. All right. Um, and these are them. Um, so two of the things that always winds me up is that, first of all, so this happens if you're, like, a fan of the cards. So I'm going to see if I'm going to find one at random. Um um so the 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 cards have got um like levels on them uh so i've just picked okay. up dragonite 
level 45. Now, I'm not entirely sure what what uh, what level a Dragonite evolves at, but I want to say... I'm pretty sure it's 55. Uh, yes, but, well, this, because... is where, this is where my headcanon comes in, because people are like, how can, how can you have, like, a level 45 Dragonite? I'm of the opinion that level a Dragonite levels up at 55 for you, the player character. Yeah, um, okay. And each person would have a different um would have a different like level that it would so like Lance has got like lower level dragon He does, yeah. But he's a dragon master, so he's got uh, the potential to have like lower leveled ones. So I guess that explains why Team Rocket thinks they can force Pokemon to evolve sooner if they've seen really accomplished Pokemon trainers evolve a Pokemon earlier because they happen to be such good trainers they get their pokemon there sooner like that that explains why that was their goal in uh gold and silver so that mate we're we're in the first episode and we're already we're already iconic in the pokemon community um <laughs> uh, like follow share subscribe etc 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 and maybe more. win a toy and maybe win a toy in the one of two toys one of um, but um, my other uh, head cannon is so I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get the um, the Pokedex back up. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm gonna see if I can like find a ridiculous one. Dead quick. Um, there we go. We'll go with this one. For some time after its birth, it grows by gaining nourishment from the seed on its back. Um, uh, or, in fact, we'll go with a strange seed was planted on its back at birth. Plant sprouts and grows with... Right, it feels like they're getting lazy because we've already heard that. But um, I'm of... Again, this is another one of my head cannons because there's loads of... That's just like an example of, of one uh, that's like yeah. a, bit, a bit ridiculous. Because, uh, like, what are they basing that on? Um, I don't think that the Pokedex is necessarily written by Pokemon professors. I think that some of the um, so yeah, I've just thought of one specifically. It's like it's like the Charizard can melt rocks at like a thousand degrees. Yeah, and it's like that's that sounds ridiculous. That's because I think that some of the Pokedex entries have been written by the the child protagonist. Yeah, like the pro Pokemon professor has said to a 10-year-old, go out and do this. And the 10-year-old's been like, well, tell you what, actually, my Charizard can melt rocks. So I'm writing it down and sending it to the professor. Fuck you. <laughs> and that's... Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, my Machamp can punch a hole in a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it also explains the reason why uh, the Pokedex doesn't get an entry until after you've caught the Pokemon. Because if it's like... Yeah. If it's like the player character writes the entry it's like well it makes sense that they would only be able to write the entry after they've spent some time with that pokemon yeah so yeah, yeah. that makes sense yeah. so that, again there's there's number two of head trubbish red head, i don't know let's see if i can say it correctly trubbish head cannon um right so um the ball blight pouch on its back oh we've read that um, the seed on its back <laughs> is filled with nutrients. The seed grows steadily larger as its body grows. Um, have you uh, got anything that you want to... Any like guesses for the nutrients that it might have? I think... I hope it's delicious. 
like not in a way that would hurt the Bulbasaur, but like in, you know, there's just the seeds come out and then the Bulbasaur is fine and a new seed starts to flourish. The same way like you can pick an apple off a tree without the tree having an issue. Um, and you know that like Pokemon Cafe game, that free to play game? Um, I think it would be cool uh, if that had like, you know, the plants, you know, you could have like a Bulbasaur seed salad, you know? <laughs> I like mean, in a way that does not hurt the Bulbasaur, obviously. Um, but like, I just, I just, I feel like when a game is based, when when the Pokemon is based on a plant, you should that like there should be you should be like pick fruit off it, uh -huh. and you can eat the fruit. Yeah, I think that would be that would be a cool thing to do. And if we know it's full of nutrients, that implies a someone has eaten it. <laughs> And B, they have noticed a positive effect after eating it. So. Very true. Bulbasaur Prime Energy Drinks coming soon. No, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we've got um, the next one is it carries a seed on its back from birth. As it grows older, the seed also grows larger. I, I feel like they're getting lazy now. Uh, I think I think as I think with the first generation ones they did just kind of reiterate what's in the first Pokédex just because um by the time the later games come out you're already familiar with them the starters don't appear in the Pokédex until quite late in the game um so I feel like there wasn't much motivation to update the Pokédex entry very much like you know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. Again, it's it's all just nutrients stored on back. Whoever wrote this <laughs> potentially had a nutrient or a back fetish. Um, yeah. Right, but Ruby and Sapphire, they've uh, they've they've changed it up, but it's got the same got the same entry for both Ruby and Sapphire, which is uh, again is that is that better or lazier? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Um. Bulbasaur can be seen napping in bright sunlight. There is a seed on its back by soaking up. Uh, right, we're back to backs. Um, yeah. By soaking sun's up. rays growing larger. Yeah, uh, progressively larger. Again, like this must have been some work experience person who wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, they were like, yeah. I, do I we need like a child, new one for Sapphire? The child that wrote about Bulbasaur didn't spend a lot of time with its Bulbasaur it was just like there's a seed on its back it sits down leave me alone <laughs> it's like this 383 I haven't got time yeah um uh, again fire red and leaf green we're back to plant seed on its back uh, right from the day it's born uh the plant sprouts and grow right here we go right Diamond, Pearl and Platinum have got, for some time after its birth, it grows by gaining nourishment from the seed on its back, which to me says it's eating the seed on its back. What do you think? Like it's a packed lunch? I think this goes back to like the chlorophyll thing. Like it gains nourishment from the seed and the seed soaks up the sunlight. Uh, I think that's fair. That's, that's how I interpret that. Because okay. if it's like, oh, it can't it doesn't need to eat food 
because it like soaks up the sunlight through its back um and then in the that implies that like little teeny tiny baby bulbasaurs don't don't have their little pointy teeth yet so they can't eat anything else so they've got a they've got to rely on the sunshine I and this thought... is what it goes back to like a bulbasaur is likely to have stunted growth if it's like kept underground i think that would be like a a, a good heartbreaking story yeah to have in the anime have someone find a bulbasaur that was like born in a cave and didn't realize it was supposed to be in the sunlight so it's all tiny and weak yeah. and then it gets like taken out and like a good grass trainer exposes it to the sunlight and nurses it to become a big big strong bulbasaur for only and then it evolves into the fattest ivysaur there's ever been yeah. Yeah, for only two pound a month, you can you can get this this Bulbasaur, its own grass trainer, who can uh, <laughs> who can help it to grow teeth. For yeah, it will not have to uh, um, it will not have to um, suckle suckle on its uh, <laughs> suckle on its bulb for nutrients. Did we mention that it has a bulb on its back? I feel like <laughs> this this advert was done by the work experience boy, right? We've, we're at uh, we're at black and white because uh, cart gold and soul silver is just more about seed on its back. Um, sometimes after its birth, it grows again. That's exactly the same. That is the exact same thing we just said. <laughs> uh, X and Y. I feel like they're not going to be that different. Uh, well, you know, you might be surprised. Um, with uh, on Omega Ruby and uh, Alpha Sapphire. Uh, they actually went with can be seen napping in bright sunlight so they changed it up there um and then we got sword and shield which is more about plant seed on its back while it is young let's see what's going to happen because uh, i've got dyslexia so i can't read the sentence ahead before i've read it out loud are we gonna <laughs> are we gonna be surprised it uses the nutrients that are stored in the seed on its back <laughs> uh, for some time after its birth it grows after taking it. and then um i feel like the work experience boy must have left because this pokemon has mo no pokedex entries in scarlet and violet mm -hmm. he must have got a job well, on indeed hopefully uh you get the job of backdating the pokedex entries in scarlet and violet and you can come up with something more exciting for the bulbasaur entry oh believe me i'll, I'll do something like um it gets nutrition from the uh, bulb that is on its uh, spine. So, spine, ooh. <laughs> um, Shaking things up. Which is uh, placed there, or planted if you will, from <laughs> the moment it leaves um, the uh, natal sac. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> That's quite a graphic Pokedex entry. Uh, but I... I mean, it gives us the information that the other ones do, mm. but also makes you think about Venusaur genitals a little bit. I, I, I must admit, as I was saying it, right, it made me go, if they've all got a bulb on their back, well, by this point, it's like it's Venusaurs that are banging, right? Mm. How, how's it going to do that, given that they've both, well, got, they've both got trees on their back? Like, what positions could they possibly do? That's I mean, hedgehogs manage... And T Rex is managed, so I'm sure Venusaurs can manage. 
That's true. I thought you were going to say, like, how does it push the little Bulbasaur out um, now, with the big bulb on its back? And I thought, because, because the Pokedex entry says so frequently that the bulb is planted on its back that, like, I don't think the Venusaur, like, plants it the way that you or I would plant something. But I feel like maybe as the Bulbasaur is born, like, the seed that becomes the Bulbasaur bulb is, like, the placenta, and it comes out and settles on the back and, like, burrows in a little bit, and that's how the bulb is planted. Well, that image has definitely <laughs> taken Venusaur genitals out of my uh, mind, but I feel like yours was almost more graphic, so... Thank it you. definitely was, but, but you started you. it. That's true. Right. Well, <laughs> well, we've gone through the Pokedex, so we've got the next thing. I feel like we've already covered it a little bit, which is uh, its connection to the anime, uh, and you know, Bulbasaur is one of the one of the main dogs in it. Um, yeah. You know, one of Ash's original team. Um, it's uh, it's very protective. Um, it, if I'm right, it leaves to protect a bunch of Pokemon um, yeah it leaves to uh, protect a bunch of grass type Pokemon in a forest yeah um, that sounds yeah and yeah. Um, you know I'm pretty sure like Erica's got one as well um, there's uh, um, but yeah there's there's a lot of, uh, of Bulbasaur in the anime but I feel like it is predominantly taken up by Ash's Pokemon, which is uh, historically, well, famously, a Bulbasaur. Yeah. Um, so we've got here as well, May also owns a Bulbasaur. Um, mm -hmm. So as part of this uh, podcast going on, because we intend to go through the whole Pokedex, I'm like, beyond Johto, my knowledge becomes patchy. So I will have, like, so... I didn't actually know that May had a Bulbasaur, uh, so um, as we carry on, I should be able to kind of um, fill up my fill up my Ruby and Sapphire onwards knowledge. Because mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I kind of fell out of Pokemon around about Ruby and Sapphire, uh, and then I came back on at Platinum. So I do have like a bit of a gap in my knowledge there. That's fair. I kept going through Ruby and Sapphire, and I, I I played them, but I think I was less engaged with Black and White, mm -hmm. which I understand now was a poor choice because um, I hear a lot of people raving about Black and White, but it is also the generation that, um, yeah, I kind of was least connected to. Maybe I'll maybe I'll give them another go sometime. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we've also got here that uh, Shauna owns uh, a Bulbasaur. Um, I don't even know who Shauna is. Uh, well, let's let's get them up. Uh, I'm gonna get a picture of them up so people can see um, in the in the in the chat, but also. Um, if you are listening to this when we release the actual podcast, do a Google, you know. <laughs> so this here is Shauna, um, who has got uh, buns 
and three bow ties which I very much uh, admire um, and Shauna uh, is a recurring character um, is the rival of Serena are you aware of Serena yeah oh, yeah there you go right you're all caught up um, back to Bulbasaur though um, they were also in Mewtwo Strikes Back um, which um, again yeah. is something that we've discussed about doing on the um, uh, on the Patreon about um, us doing some stuff around the films uh, I think that that, mm -hmm. that could be quite cool for us to do but again we want to do it where if these sound exciting to you you uh, you can like join the Patreon and like let us know what type of content you would like us to make and we can like cater it to you um, yeah so yeah so um we had intended on this being like a, f a full segment about us uh talking about its impact in the anime but i feel like we we've kind of spoke about it throughout so yeah so let's move on to the next uh section which is um uh the smog on rating um now kirsty are you aware of smog on um yes but if you would like to describe it anyway for the sake of anyone listening who doesn't please be my guest so smog on is a um it's for people who do competitive pokemon <laughs> battling which is not me not me at all <laughs> right. right like i i i very rarely um think i'm a very good pokemon battler due to the fact that you know eight-year-old me thought that a level 90 Pidgeot could take on the Elite Four when in fact actually I couldn't get out of Seafoam Island. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is a way of um, people who do competitive Pokemon battling online kind of view these Pokemon. So I thought that would be worth us at least considering and then we could say whether or not we, we agreed. So I'm just going to get that up. Um, so there it is there. Uh, Bulbasaur just having a lovely little time. I like the animations on on this website. Again, if you're listening uh, to the to the podcast, feel free to Google this stuff. Oh, don't you know? I'm not your boss. <laughs> but uh, Bulbasaur is a potent sweeper um, in the LC, which I think means um, like um, like that it's not been leveled. Yeah, the little cup so for pokemon that haven't been leveled um and it's got um hp 45 attack 49 defense 45 um defense 49 special attack 65 and speed which is uh 45 which they're all in red which to me says it's not very good yeah because i feel like no no none of the original starters are um, I feel like because they are the first Pokemon in an evolution line of three, they are not the stronger ones. I think that's why it's good in the Little Cup, because it's for baby Pokemon. It's for the first Pokemon in a line. It's for the one you wouldn't actually use in competitive battling because it needs to grow into the final form that is going to, um, you know, be the powerful Pokemon you want on your team. Mm. 
Um, but as far as those kind of little cup, small, unevolved Pokemon go, you know, solid start. Yeah. Solid start. Yeah, I agree. Um, and uh so we were gonna we were gonna sign off all of all of these uh so we've just gotten to the end of the the bulbasaur uh episode um and we wanted to give each of these a talking trubbish rating because we've now seen what smog on make of it and you know mm -hmm. if, if anybody knows like if anybody's opinions matter it's uh, angry competitive people on the internet <laughs> um for me, I'd say because of nostalgia, I'm gonna give uh, um, Bulbasaur eight trubbishes out of ten. I think I would agree with that, and again, I also agree that it's because of nostalgia, and also because because Bulbasaur was just so damn cute in Detective Pikachu. Like it, it was just just adorable and I feel like it, it just puts joy in the world and I feel like an 8 out of 10 is a good mm. good score for Bulbasaur yeah again I'm aware that this is the debut episode so I am um I am um I'm giving myself a bit of room to move forward because uh, yeah, but I feel like I think yeah, eight is respectable. Yeah, eight is definitely respectable, and it also it's definitely high up because it's one with a lot of fond memories attached to it in the games and in the show. Um, it's I feel like I'm the kind of person who doesn't have many negative opinions of pokemon um because i'm a silly sen sentimental sausage however um bulbasaur still still gets high up there because i've had it on my team a whole bunch um i thought it had a really good character in the story in the show because um you know in the early generations i think they cared enough to give the teams a, a good sense of individuality in the pokemon um, even if the quality of that fluctuated throughout the seasons. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. 8 out of 10 for so, There you go. 8 out of 10. Um, and um, that there. Oh, one final thing. Do you have any hot takes on Bulbasaur? I don't think I do. I think Bulbasaur is a well enough discussed Pokemon that's fairly consistent. I think if I had a Bulbasaur, I would like it to be, if I was a trainer in the Pokemon world and my partner was a Bulbasaur, what I would like to do with my grass types is have like a grass type restaurant where like their ability with the sunshine would help fresh vegetables to grow. The ones that have things like seeds and fruit growing on them can be a part of the food 
again in a way that doesn't harm them and they can be proud of it and that's what i'd want i'd want my bulbasaur to have the most delicious most nutritious seeds and people would come from all over to see our little salad cafe yeah well as we know um because of that uh that intern at nintendo that couldn't be bothered about writing about anything other than (laughs) nutrition and backs and vitamins uh, that is potentially a good business venture. Uh, if you went on Dragon's Den with that, uh, Dragonite's Den. Uh, Dragonite's Den. Yeah, I think they'd be in. <laughs> right. So, should we uh, should we draw it to a to a, uh, a natural close? I feel like the only uh, the only hot take I've got is that whilst Bulbasaur is very good, um, if it wasn't the number one in the Pokedex, like. I'd, I'd be all right with that. I know some people are, are like, fiercely adamant that being number one in the Pokedex makes it amazing. But one, I don't think it needs it, and two, like, if it was another Pokemon, that'd be fine. Yeah, I don't think the order matters that much. Mm. I think, like, they are in the order that you're likely to encounter them roughly or like the the audio likely to encounter the first one but then obviously bulbasaur charmander and squirtle are on the same table you don't know which one you're going to pick up first when you're just looking at three identical pokeballs they are just in alphabetical order mm. like that's why it's number one if it had been called sora bulb charmander would have been number one yeah very true but uh luckily uh it was Bulbasaur because the bulb was planted on its back from birth and it goes... <laughs> um, right so yeah so um so that there was was the first was the first episode 